Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. I'm just so excited and fired up to be here today and excited that that you're here today. If you have your Bibles, turn to James chapter 4. And we're in week number four of a series that we're calling the book of James, where we're doing a deep dive, in-depth study of one of the shortest books in the Bible. It's only five chapters, and in my Bible, it's only three pages. So it's one of the shortest books of the Bible, but it's also one of the most practical books of the Bible. And it's packed full of things in those three pages, those five chapters, showing us how to live for God, not only just at church, not only on Sundays, but in our everyday lives. And this series is a little bit different than all the other series that we've done up until this point. See, typically we do a series that's, that's over one specific topic. So maybe that's like relationships or we'll do a series on finances or we'll do a series on freedom. And then we study parts of the Bible that talk about those topics. So in a relationship series, we'll go through the Bible and and find things in the Bible that talk a whole lot about relationships and so forth and so on. But this series is a little bit different. In this series, the Bible is is the topic. And the Bible actually is determining what we talk about each week. That, That little book of the Bible, five chapters, three pages, is actually the agenda for this series. We have five weeks in this series. There's five chapters, so every week we're covering one chapter of the Bible. So let me tell you why we would do a series like this. Because here at our church, at Queen City Church, we love the Bible. We love the Bible. It's so much more than just this old, out-of-date history book, or it's so much more than just a collection of these random religious stories. It's so much more than just this comprehensive list of, of God's do's and don'ts, of His rules and regulations. We believe that the Bible is the perfect and powerful Word of God. That 39 people penned this book, but truly, there's only one author that through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, those 39 people penned every single word that we have in our Bible. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says that all of Scripture, everything, cover to cover, all Scripture, and I love this, is God-breathed. Meaning that it's, this book is alive, that it's powerful, that this is the only book that's breathing that God, it wasn't just a collection of things that that this, this word of God is actually this. It is the breath of God and it's life-giving and it speaks to every single area of our life. And not only that, here's the greatest thing, is that the, the Bible is the only book where the author is present every single time you open it up. So I want you to know that today we're opening up the Bible and God's here. The author is here. But when you're at home, and you crack open the Bible, or you jump on, and this week you want to finish that James 30-day devotional every single time that God's Word's there, He's there. And so, because it's the only book where the author is always present. And I dream of a church where, where the Bible, God's Word, is a part of not just our Sundays, but a part of our every single day life. And by the way, that's why we give them away. 
So if you're here and you don't have a Bible, you're like, wow, I, that two minutes like pitch of the Bible, that really got me excited about it, but I don't have one. Well, we want to give you one today. And so if you go out these doors, you can find an area that says info, and we have Bibles that have already been purchased by the generosity of people that call Queen City Church home, and we want to give you a Bible um, because, because we believe it's, it's that important. So if you don't have one, go get one. And, uh, and so we're going to dive in, James chapter 4. We're going to read the first 10 verses together, then we're going to pray, and then we're going to see what God wants to tell us. I believe God wants to do something so special today. Uh, so James chapter 4, starting in verse 1. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet, you don't have what you, what you want because you don't ask God for it. And when you do ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. You adulterers. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourselves an enemy of God. What do you think the scriptures mean when they say the spirit of God is placed within us, is filled with envy? But he says, but he gives us even more grace. I love that line. He gives us even more grace to stand against such evil desires. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but favors the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. That's what we just did. We just spent a lot of time getting close to God and we were going after God. But here's the cool thing. It also says that he came after you and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. If you're taking notes, write down this title. We're gonna talk over the next 30 minutes over this thought of how to win wars how to win wars because they're coming you may be in one right now and so let's talk about how to win them how to win wars let's pray god we love you we thank you we thank you for your word we thank you for your church god we thank you for your presence and god right now we we open up every single part of our life 100 percent of who we are our mind our heart everything and we give you permission to do whatever you want to do. We lay aside our agenda, what we want, and we open up our entire life to give you permission to do what only you can do. And God, I just pray today that you give us a fresh revelation, a fresh understanding, maybe a deeper understanding of grace, of what Jesus has truly done for us. God, I pray that it's not something that gets routine or old, but it's something that we just keep getting deeper and deeper and deeper into the gospel. God, I pray that every single one of us walk out of here different than when we walked in. God, we love you so much. And it's through Jesus we pray. And everybody said, amen. So have you ever, at any point in time of your life, maybe just by a show of hands, have you ever had to confront somebody 
just ever had to just confront, you had to call somebody out, there was some drama, there's some issues, there's some problems that were going on, and you had to confront maybe like an elephant in the room, there was something that was there, nobody's talking about it, where I, I think I've got to do that. It's, it's not very fun. It's not very fun at all. Um, like nobody looks forward to confronting somebody. Like nobody. It's, it's not like when you go through your calendar and you see what you have going on for the day. And it's like I have this breakfast meeting and then I have, I have this little staff meeting. And then, oh, guess what I get to do later this afternoon? I get to confront somebody. Oh, joy. You know, like nobody does that. It, it's, not, it's not fun because it takes so much courage. It takes a lot of courage to be able to, But I've learned that a good leader, a good pastor, a good boss, a good coworker, a good teammate, a good parent, a good spouse, a good friend will have the courage to confront issues and problems and drama and conflict and elephants in the room. But a bad leader, a bad pastor, a bad boss, a bad coworker, a teammate, parent, spouse, friend, like they won't. They'll just kind of sweep everything under the rug, act like it's not there. And what I love about James chapter 4 is that James has the courage to confront some issues that are going on. Some drama, some problems, some elephants in the room. He has the courage. And in these first 10 verses of James chapter 4, James describes three different wars that we all face, all of us. And so if you're taking notes, here's the first war that he talks about. And it's real short. It's the first sentence. It's war with others. So that's the first war that, that James talks about. This war with others. And in James 4.1, it says, what is causing these quarrels and these fights, these wars among you. And it's really important to remember the context of, of what was written here. See, James is the half-brother of Jesus. And he's writing to Jewish Christians. In other words, he's saying that there's some fights, there's some quarrels, there's some wars, there's some drama, there's some problems that are happening within the church. That, that, there's, that, that stuff is happening right there inside the church. In fact, a lot of the book of James, if you read through all five chapters, you'll see him addressing things like that, like that there's people that are, that are taking advantage and, and that there's, there's the rich that are oppressing the poor, taking advantage of people, that there's all this internal fighting and struggles and arguing that's going. And I, what I love about James, he just calls them out. He just says, hey, Stop doing that. And he just calls them out. You know, he just calls out the church for all the issues and problems and conflict and fighting that's happening. But that stuff only happens in Bible times, right? You know, the church and Christians today, man, they don't have any problems, any conflict, any drama, any, 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 any fighting that's going on within, right? You know, we laugh and we, we kind of smile. It's kind of this uncomfortable tension in the room right now because we know it's so common, even within the church. It's Christian against Christian and group against group and that church against this church and this denomination against this denomination. And you know what? I, I personally believe that this is why a lot of people never give church a shot. You know, I... I believe people are open to God. In fact, the scriptures say that, that there's, there's a part of us that can only be filled by God. 
And it's almost like this internal beacon that is drawing us closer to God. And so I, I truly believe that people are open to God. They're just turned off by his church. That God oftentimes has massive marketing problems because of how we live our lives. Because it's like maybe somebody who doesn't go to church or, or, or doesn't even really believe. And they say, like, why in the world would I want that? Because you don't look any different than I do. You don't look any different than the rest of the world. Except now, if I went there, I'd just feel guilty about my life. And I'd have to wake up early on Sundays. <laughs> and not only do we fight, have this internal fighting within the church, but oftentimes, tragically, we fight with people outside of the church. You know, maybe people who don't believe what I believe, or people who don't behave how I behave, or people who don't value what I value, people that don't support what or who I support, maybe people who don't vote how I vote. And we spend so much time in this unnecessarily fighting wars that divide us even further. And it hurts my heart. It really, it grieves my heart so much to see all the hate and the fighting and the wars coming from people who are connected to the church, who passionately love God. And it, it, it hurts my heart. Um, and I can tell you where it's the worst is social media. Is that people get a lot of courage when they're behind a screen. And there's so many times where there's this, there's this, this, this almost like this toxic, hurtful, like, like dangerous, never productive us versus them mentality. Totally ignoring this beautiful example of Jesus, who was friend of sinners, who was friends and associated with people that didn't believe what he believed, that didn't behave the way that he behaved. That Jesus, beautiful example of Jesus, who was constantly looking for ways to build bridges, not walls. To seek to unite, not divide. And so, so you see Jesus, who's setting this example. And then there's so many times we forget the truth of verses like Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, that says, For we are not fighting against human beings, guys. We're not fighting against human beings, but against the wicked spiritual forces in the heavenly world, the rulers, the authorities, and cosmic powers of this dark age. There's a, there's a, we're fighting against something different. And we too often lose this battle against our real enemy because we spend so much time fighting each other. And listen, I want to let you know, like we, this church, we are not going to be that type of church. We're not. That we've built our church on values. On values like this, like for us, values, they, they determine our decisions. It's what makes us uniquely us. It's our DNA. And so we built our church on values, like, like values such as honor is our posture. That we're going to take the posture of honor as at any chance that we can get, publicly and privately. That we're going to honor each other. That we're going we're gonna to take time to honor our worship team. We're going to take time to honor the dream team. We're going to take time to honor the people that are right now taking care of our kids. We're going to honor each other. That I'm going to make the decision that I'm going to honor my family. I'm going to honor my wife. I'm going to honor my kids. I'm going to honor those that went before me. I'm going to honor those that come after me. That I'm going to honor the people in this city. I'm going to honor people that don't believe what I believe. I'm going to honor other churches. I'm going to honor other pastors. We're going to consistently take the posture of honor to lift others up. 
But we also built our church on, on values like unity is our pursuit. And that, that one's harder because we'll never drift towards that. Ever. I don't know if you know this. We will never drift towards unity. That left to our own devices, we as people will always do this. So we're going to pursue unity. It's going to be our pursuit. We're going to pursue unity in every single type. We want to be a, build, a, a bridge-building church that is pursuing unity in every possible way. And we're just, we just made that decision. That's who we are. We're going to have honor as our posture. We're going, unity is going to be our pursuit. And I dream of a church that is an answer to Jesus' prayer in John 17, 21. Listen to this prayer that Jesus prayed where he says, I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, and you are in me, Father, and I am in you. That type of unity. And may they be in us. So that, in other words, the result of a unified church will be this next statement. The world will believe that you sent me. A unified church is an attractive church. And I've decided that I'm going to spend my time fighting the devil, not other people. And I'm especially not going to fight other Christians. So just forget about it. I'm done. I'm fighting the devil. That's it. That's all I got time for. But the reality is... You may be at church today, and today you're at war with others. That right now you're in the middle of problems and drama and fighting. Maybe it's at work, maybe it's with a boss or a coworker, and just something's not working, or maybe it's at home, or maybe it's with a spouse, or maybe it's with your in-laws. I don't know what it is, but maybe there's, there's this fuss and there's this fight, and you find yourself at church today right in the middle of it, and you sit there and you read James 1.1 where it says, what is causing the quarrels and the fights among you? And you're like, that's the easiest question in the Bible. It's them. It's him. It's her. I'm sitting right beside that person right now. It's my boss. It's that coworker. It's my disrespectful kids. They just don't listen. It's people that drive in the left lane slowly. That's the fast lane. Why do you do that? You at least got to go five miles over the speed limit in that lane. Okay, come on, I'm preaching to anybody here. I see that hand. <laughs> it's easy. Like, what's causing all that stuff? It's easy. It's them. It's them. But then you got to keep reading. Because James changes everything after that one statement. And he, he addresses the second war that we'll face. And the second war is this, and then we'll read it, war with ourselves. So he first talks about wars with others. Then he talks about wars with ourselves. And so he says, what is causing the quarrels and the fights among you? Then, right after that one sentence, he gets all up in our kitchen. And he says, don't they come from the evil desires at war Within you? Doesn't it come from things that are on the inside of you? Not really them, but you? I don't know about you, but the common denominator of every single fight that I've been in is me. I've been there for every single one. And then he says, you want 
what you don't have. And by the way, that right there is the source of all frustration and anger in your life. You want something, but you don't get it. You wanted something, expected something, felt like you deserved something, but didn't get it. You expect to be treated with more respect, but you weren't. You wanted to be included, you wanted to be, get the invitation, but you didn't. You know, you, you thought that you deserved the raise or that promotion, but somebody else got it. And so the Bible says that you scheme and you kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight. Your response to that is you wage war to take it away from them. See, James is saying that the wars among us are caused by the wars within us. That what's going on the outside is just really a reflection of what's happening on the inside. That there's a war that's beneath the war. That the fighting, all those problems and conflict and drama, is just the fruit of a root issue that is deep inside of you. And that the root issue of all the problems and the fighting and the drama in your life is selfishness. James is saying that your problems don't have anything to actually do with the other person. But you're like, no, trust me, if I could tell you my situation. James is like, no. He says all that stuff because deep down you're selfish and self-centered. Man, church is awfully quiet right now. <laughs> oh, amen, that is so good. Like, I, like I get it. <laughs> I get it. There's not, there's not amens. And when I was studying... I found this, and it's from a pastor named Warren Wearsby, and it's so good. I just I wanted to put it on the screen. People who are at war with themselves because of selfish desires are always unhappy people. They never enjoy life. Instead of being thankful for the blessings they do have, they complain about the blessings they do not have. They cannot get along with other people because they are always envying others for what they have and do. They are always looking for that magic something that will change their lives when the real problem is within their own hearts. There's this war within ourselves. Have you ever noticed that selfish people talk about themselves all the time? Yeah. Every conversation, I'm talking, it's all the time. Every conversation is just me, 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 me. Okay, enough about me. Let's talk about you. What do you think of me? So every post on social media is about them. It's a feed full of selfies. Of just, hey, look at me, and here's all the things that are going on in my life. And it's just constantly what I call humble brags. Where it's like, you know, these are all the things that I'm doing right now. Uh, you know, God, to God be the glory. You know, it's these, it's these, these humble brags. And it's, it's that T.O., I love me some me. And it's, you know, it, it, like that type of attitude, that type of living is such a contrast to Philippians chapter 2. In verse 3 and 4. In fact, it's contrast to a lot of the Bible. But listen to what these scriptures say. It says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Here's what I've learned. I've learned that true humility is not just thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. 
It's, it's, it's not just about like, okay, I've just got to think less of, of who I am and just I'm going to put myself down. I'm going to be humble. It's not that. It's not even thinking about yourself at all. In fact, write this down because I'm convinced that our world would be much larger if we would become much smaller in it. I believe that with all my heart, that our world would be so much larger, so much bigger if we would become much smaller in it. So there's war with others, and then he talks about war with ourselves, and then he talks about this third war, and that's war with God. War with God. And in verse 4, he uses very strong language to get the attention of everybody. And he says, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God. I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. And James is saying that there's this war over who's in control of your life. Is it going to be God? Is it going to be you? Is it going to be somebody else? Is it going to be a spouse? Is it going to be your career that really is owning you and, and is in control of your life? Is it the world? Who There's this war over who's in control of your life, and you need to understand that God doesn't want to share you with anything or anyone else. He wants all of you. No divided loyalty. All your love, all your devotion, all 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 your commitment, all your heart, everything. That's why Jesus, when he was asked, what is the most important commandment out of all the things? And Jesus answers in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 and 38. He says, you you must love the Lord your God with all, 100%, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Commandment. Listen, God doesn't want just 50% of your life. He doesn't want 75%. And get this, he doesn't even want 99%. He wants 100% of your life. Everything. Everything. He just doesn't want a compartmentalized hour of your week. What up? Awesome. It's so great that you're here. I'm so thankful. But he wants your whole life. He wants everything. He wants 100% of you. And after, and like, this is how I think. When I read my Bible, I read that. I'm like, that is so strong. It feels like James just gave a pastoral backhand to us. And so, so after he gave this pastoral backhand, he reminds us of something very important that I think we often forget when we've made a mistake and when we've fallen short. In fact, I believe that the people who forget this the most are people that have been following Jesus the longest. That we forget this truth. We forget that we fall short. And it's like we, we get and we understand grace whenever we first receive Jesus. And we get it and we understand it, but the longer that we follow him, the more it becomes about our behavior and our performance. And Because I understand that he unconditionally loved me when I didn't know him, but now that I know him and I don't behave the right way, then I feel like he's so mad at me and upset with me now because I know better. But listen to what James says. James says this. It's such a beautiful statement in James chapter 4, verse 6, where he says, But he gives us more grace. Come on, that is a good sentence. That he gives us more grace. More grace. That no matter how much you've messed up, 
No matter how much you've fallen short, no matter how much you've gotten wrong or been self-centered or been selfish or had this divided loyalty or held on to that one thing that you would never give them, that it doesn't matter if you've been war with others or war with yourselves or war with God, here's the truth of that statement that there's always more grace. There's always more grace. And I love to define that as grace is the unmerited favor of God. It's unmerited. You didn't earn it. There's nothing you can do to deserve it. It's this unmerited. There's nothing that you could do. There's no performance that you can have. The unmerited favor of God. Listen, God's got more grace than you could possibly imagine. I just I like to think of it like stacks of grace. He just has stacks on stacks on stacks of grace. I love that thought. Just There's more grace. It's unending. It's unlimited. It's endless grace. Is there anybody in church that is grateful today for God's grace? I'm so thankful. I need it just as much today as the day that I decided to follow Jesus, which this past week was 20 years. I need it more 20 years later than I do on that day. I'm desperate for it. I know I... there's more of it. We get to just experience more and more and more and more grace. So what if you find yourself at church today and and you find yourself at at war, at war with God, or maybe you have divided loyalty. You find yourself here and you feel so far from God. And the truth is, I had this thought, that War with God is a war you cannot win. And there's only one thing to do when you're in a war that you cannot win. Surrender. Wave the white flag. Come out with your hands up. Which, by the way, this is why a lot of people in this room, the first 20 minutes of our service was worshiping God like this. Because it's a sign, it's a symbol. It's an outward reflection of what's happening on the inside. I'm surrendering everything to God. So what do you do when you're in a war that you cannot win? You surrender. In James chapter 4, in verse 7, he says, So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. And in that that, that verse 7 where it says, humble yourselves. Other translations, maybe in your Bible, it says, submit yourselves. And the Greek word is this Greek word, hupotasso, which is a military term. And this is what it literally means, to get into your proper rank. See, James is saying, ironically, the only way to win the war is to lose. That the only way that you can win that war is to lose, is to fully surrender. In other words, the answer isn't just, hey guys, try harder. Fix yourself. Pick yourself up. Clean yourself off. Do everything right. Here's why. Because you can't. The answer is submitting, humbling myself, realizing that I can't win on my own, realizing that I can't fix myself, and surrendering. I'm giving up total control. Jesus puts it this way in Mark chapter 8 in the message paraphrase. He says, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. 
You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Come on, Jesus, take the wheel. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me, and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to saving yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? What could you ever trade your soul for? And I love this quote from D.L. Moody. He says, let God have your life. He can do more with it than you can. And if you do, if you go and you surrender everything to God and you give him all of me, all of me, all of me for all of you, if you go and you give him everything, look at what the Bible says will happen in verse 10. It says, humble yourselves before the Lord. Humble yourself, surrender, give up everything. And he will lift you up. In other words, that the way up is down. That the higher you go is fully dependent on how low you get. And it's this truth that if you humble yourselves before the Lord, he will lift you up in honor. And here's the best way that I can describe what that actually looks like. I want you to imagine with me a known fugitive that's been on the run for some serious crimes that he's committed. And he's exhausted from running. And he finally hit rock bottom and he couldn't live that way anymore and he decides to turn himself in. And he hasn't taken good care of himself. He's filthy from being on the run. He smells. His clothes are dirty and ripped. And he's feeling the full weight of his mistakes. Understanding that he's just made a huge mess of things. And it's not only the, the, the mistakes that he's made, but it's the fact that he's run from them and tried to do all these things himself. And how he's tried to avoid the consequences that it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And he finally gets before the king, and he humbly falls to his knees in full surrender before the king. And he's confessing and acknowledging his crimes while tears stream down his face. And he knows that he deserves to be thrown into prison and punished for his crimes. He knows that he deserves the worst. But the king, he slowly gets up from his throne walks over to him. But instead of doing anything mean or wrong, he stoops down in the dirt with him. And he wraps his arms around him. And he lifts them up. And then he places him on his feet. And he lifts his head that is just hung in shame over all the mistakes. And he doesn't even feel like he can look anybody in the eyes. And the king lifts up his head so that he can see him face to face, right in the eyes. And he begins to wipe the tears from his eyes. And the king says that your charges have been completely dropped. Your crimes have been forgiven. Your record has been cleared. You don't have to run anymore. And not only that, there's more. Then he brings out his royal robe and he wraps it around the fugitive's dirty clothes, covering his shame. And then he says, 
Not only am I dropping the charges and bringing your balance to zero and restoring you as a citizen, I'm accepting you into my family. That not only will you just have to be a servant in my kingdom, you get to be a son. And I want you to eat at my table. And I want you as close to me as possible from now on. And the king right there in that moment gives this criminal what he deserved the least, but he needed the most. He gave him grace. More grace than he could ever imagine. And here's the truth. That story is my story. And that story is your story. That story is a perfect picture of the gospel. The good news of Jesus. That the king, he gives us what we deserve the least, but need the most. He gives us grace, the unmerited favor of God, and more grace than we could ever imagine. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And just in this moment, before we get out of here, I think it's very important that we don't miss this. We prayed at the very beginning of this message, and we asked God to speak to us. And so right now, ask him, God, what are you saying to me? Make it personal. Don't make it about the person to your right or to your left. Make it about you. God has you here. So say, God, what are you speaking to me? How does my life need to look different because of our time together today? What does my response need to be to this message? And maybe today you need to receive what you deserve the least, but, but, you, but you need the most. Maybe you're here and you need to receive grace, that unmerited favor of God. Maybe you're here and you feel so far from God and you just need a fresh start today and we wanna give you the opportunity. We never get tired of giving people this opportunity to give your life to Jesus, to fully surrender, to give him everything 100%. And maybe you've never made that decision. Maybe you're new to this whole church God Jesus thing and that invitation is for you, but also maybe you grew up in church and you've heard this message over and over again, but maybe you've even received that before in the past, but you've taken back control of your life. And today, the invitation is receive grace. Give him 100%. Follow him with everything. Surrender everything. And we're not going to point you out, make you come forward or embarrass you in any way. I'm just going to lead you in a prayer. And if you want to make that decision, I'm going to count to three. And if you want to make that decision today, I, I would love for you to put your hand in the air. Not as a way nobody's looking around. I think it's just important for us to acknowledge and take a step. That's why we do that, so that you can take a step and say, God, today I'm making that decision. And so if that's you, today you want to surrender everything. You want to give him everything, whether that's for the first time or a fresh commitment. On the count of three, I want you to boldly put your hand in the air. One, two, three. Include me in that prayer. Include me in that prayer. That's great. It's great. It's great. It's awesome. It's awesome. Anybody else? Anybody else? You want to be included? I got you. Yeah. Anybody else? Anybody else? That's great. You can put your hands down. And why don't you just pray something like this in your heart? Say, Jesus, I love you. I need you. I'm sorry that I've lived my life without you. 
Will you come live inside of me? Change me. Will you make me brand new? I surrender everything to you, everything. I give you my whole life, every relationship, my finances, my future, my past, everything. I give you everything, 100%, full surrender. I give my life to you. And today, I make the decision to follow you, not just on June 23rd, 2019, but God, to follow you the rest of my life. And God, we thank you for grace. We thank you that you did for us what we could never do for ourselves. And God, we just, we thank you. May our lives just scream how thankful we are. We love you so much. And it's through the awesome, powerful, redeeming name of Jesus that we pray and everybody said, amen. Come on, can we clap our hands for the people that just made the best decision of their life? Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at Queen City People.